Last week on Caddy Chat Wrestling Talks, I shared my concern about Sami Zayn and going into the Nia Champions pay-per-view as Nia Champions will be taking place in Saudi Arabia, where Sami Zayn hasn't been allowed because of uh, his Syrian descent. So I was cu- I was curious on you know what they were going to do with the tag team championship. I mentioned how I was surprised that. Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens retained the tag team titles against the Usos. And then on SmackDown this last Friday, it was announced that Roman Reigns and Solo Sokoa will be challenging Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens for the tag team championship at Night of Champions. Now, immediately, immediately I thought, okay, that's kind of cool, but number one, is Roman Reigns going to be defending his championship still? I mean, it is Night of Champions, and that, that answer remains to be seen. But of course, my thought process was also, so are they going to do something to kill Sami Zayn off and injure him right before Nia Champions? Is he going to be replaced by Matt Riddle or someone in that, that tag team match? And then, I mean, I'm going to assume Kevin Owens is still good to go, even though he's only been at one Saudi Arabia pay-per-view so far. Well, I received an update earlier that I wanted to uh, take some time on this podcast to share. For people who've kind of had the same questions in their mind that I had. I saw an article saying, Zayn, who is Syrian, has not appeared for any show in Saudi Arabia in the past due to issues between the two countries and concerns for his safety. For those wondering why Zayn is set to appear at Naya Champions, Saudi Arabia and Syria recently resumed their diplomatic working relationship, opening the door for Zayn to make his first appearance. Guys, I'm excited. Sami Zayn worked things out so uh, Sami Zayn can be a star no matter what country it is. Now on to Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk podcast for this week with special guests Mongo and Emily from Cruising with Kayfabe. It's time! Are you ready? Let's go! Let's start the show. Welcome to Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Cadillac, and I must say, right from the get-go, I don't know if there really is a forbidden door in podcasting, but if there is, we have decided to break down the forbidden door this week, and I have Emily and Mongo from Cruising with Kayfabe on. First of all, Emily Mongo, how are you guys doing today? Doing good. Thanks so much for having us, Shawnee. Appreciate it, taking us on the Caddy Chat today. Absolutely. We're really excited. Oh, I, I've been excited. Ever since we uh, made the agreements for you guys to come on, I was like, oh, man, I'm like, I don't know what to expect with this episode. Very few times do I know what to expect, but I'm like, <laughs> I'm ready for it. I'm, let's, let's go. Let's, uh, let's, let's talk and let's have a good time, and I'm all for it. So I'm glad to hear that it's the same with you guys, too. <laughs> No, absolutely. You know, ever since you know we met you on the cruise, we loved your energy, obviously, and it's we always say it's a big cruise family. You know, it's you, be, you become friends. You know, you have a lot of things in common, and seeing that we have all the mutual friends, we have all the passion. We figured, like you said off air, fates aligned with you talking about CM Punk in your last wrap up, and just everything seemed to align. So yeah, let's kick that forbidden door open. Yeah, <laughs> I, I 
no arguments for me whatsoever. And that was, and what I did tell you is, you know, we, uh, we've seen each other. Uh, Cause have you guys been on all four cruises? Uh, three, three, three of the, which one did you miss? The uh, first, first one. one. Okay. So okay. Bummed. Yeah. Okay. So I was like, I had in my head that you may not have been on all four, but thanks for the clarification there. But I knew like you guys were definitely familiar faces. I saw quite a bit and, and I'm sure, you know, we did talk a little bit, but then our friendship kind of really picked up over the last few weeks and uh, just kind of through podcasting in a lot of ways. I mean that, and you know, our, our DEC friends and uh, shout out to Taryn and Dez and the Taryn and Dez show. And, uh, which you guys are are supporting your TDS shirts for nobody who could actually see this other than the three of us, but but uh, let it be known that the original kind of crossover that Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk ever did with Taryn and Des, you guys are in full support and you're showing your love here today. <laughs> no, absolutely. That's that's the big thing is I think because we've all become friends, we all want to support each other. We all want each other to be successful, whatever way you define success. And sometimes it is just a like, a share, a shout out, uh, because it's at the end of the day, we're all doing the same thing. We're loving wrestling. We're supporting each other. And we're just trying to be entertained and live life and be a good human. Exactly. Absolutely. I, again, couldn't have said it any better myself, but let's, uh, let's go ahead and let's, uh, just, let's talk about your podcast, shall we? Where, um, I guess, well, before we get there, let me hear kind of your, your fandom stories a little bit for each of you. Cause I'm, I don't know if it was different or anything, but. What uh? What was kind of the lead into being a wrestling fan in the first place? What tell tell us your story? I'll let you go first, Em. So I remember being at a friend's house in high school, <clears throat> and <clears throat> so we were watching wrestling, and we just saw like John Cena and Rey Mysterio, and I just remembered the latter match with Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio for the custody of Dominic. Okay, like. That is 100% my first memory of wrestling ever. And then you have Vicky coming out screaming, like Stephanie McMahon. Everything about that was just memorable in my eyes. I kind of like didn't really watch it from there, really, unless it was on. And like didn't really know how to go about watching wrestling, I guess. Okay. And then I started tuning back in around like 2014 and I dove headfirst. I found total divas and I found Soraya and I was hooked on Paige. I couldn't stop watching Paige and AJ with the Bellas. Like everything about that divas division at the time was amazing to me. And again, you have Stephanie and Vicky still there holding it down. Um, a lot of familiar faces were still there. John Cena was still showing up. Rey Mysterio is still there now. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. So, yeah, like, it was just insane to me. And from there, it just kind of spiraled. And Mongo and I met, and it's just kind of been our thing. It's We collect wrestlers. That started in, I want to say, 2018 at a convention. Okay. Um, kind of started well, you following. You started collecting wrestlers. Yeah, I started collecting <laughs> after that. Um, I, I, saw I see a, a collection guy, like, behind Tomahawk. you there, and I'm already, like, I can't get my eyes off of it. I'm like, man, that's incredible. That's just the sides of them. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so we started like finding Matt Cardona and Zach, well, Zach Ryder and Brian Myers and all them and the major brothers. And I was like intrigued at how detailed they were about, you know, what they did with the figures and 
the unboxing and all of that was very intriguing. And during the pandemic, I got out of control. Okay. So we started buying figures left and right. We moved down to North Carolina a couple of years later. And <clears throat> I want to say we packed over 300 loose figures for our child. <laughs> and a, But they're all from about, like flea markets and stuff. Yeah, sure. like the we loose didn't pay full price for the loose figures. <laughs> yeah. But the inbox figures we have in our podcast room is it's grown about to 200 at least. Like okay. it's pretty bad. Yeah. That's pretty good. <laughs> I want to say bad on the title belts that we do have as well. Okay. <laughs> no, no. I'll let Mongo talk about those. I mean, that, that's my as far whole... as fandom goes. That's kind of where it all okay started. No, that's my whole thing with the figures. Is I I'm a lifelong fan, and so like I still have from like days where I was a toddler and getting my first ra uh, wrestling action figures. I still have them. They're really, really, really beat up, but I still have them. And well, yeah. I even when I w was getting rid of the rest of my toys and action figures, I'm like, I still got to hold on to my wrestlers. I don't have much use for them. I don't really, you know, I don't play with them anymore. But I'm like, I I can't let them go. And so then, you know, and I worked at uh, Toys R Us for seven years. And sometime while I was there, I had a guy who I worked with came in from with these figures he had from when he was a kid in like the early or in like the mid nineties of like Yokozuna and Owen Hart, and they were still in their packaging. And I, I, cause he just never took his figures out of the packaging. And I said, man, those have got to be worth a lot of money nowadays. So from that point on, anytime I bought figures, I refused to take them out of the packaging. And so I have plenty of friends. We, when we talk wrestling figures, they're like, Oh no, you got to let them breathe. And I said, Nope, Nope. Do I intend <laughs> on selling them one day? No, I don't, but I still want to add the value to them. So like, <laughs> I hope our child gets that way soon because it is heartbreaking sometimes. I found a Chris Jericho Lionheart this week and we already had it, but he didn't. Oh. Uh... He convinced me to open it. And I'm like, oh, but it's like Lionheart. Like, it's Jericho. And Mongo's like, it's fine. It's not going to be like worth as much as the chases and stuff like that. And I'm like, but it's Lionheart, Chris and I, Jericho. And I learned from a young age, I wish I could go back in time and buy two of everything and have one to yeah. play with and one to keep in box. Because no. that's what I tried to do with Cam now is <laughs> we buy it AW1, then I'll get it on clearance, and then he can open the one I got on clearance. We keep the original. <laughs> yeah, and that's what I keep telling myself that I need to start doing. I don't, I don't collect as actively as I used to. I live in an apartment. I only have so much room and everything. So I have just a lot of like cluttered spaces throughout my room and everything else. Just the figures that I don't have wall space to hang them up. So I'm like, well, let's set them here. And when I eventually have a house, I could do more with this then. But then uh, my, my, the inner child in me still speaks out from time to time. And I see people having fun with their figures. And even if it's just putting them in different poses and I'm like, me. If I had more money and more thought power of like going to the store or ordering online, so going back to having more money, I would buy two of everything. I definitely would. And I don't have any children of myself, but I'll at least let the inner child in me enjoy the ones out of the packaging. And then with that said, we're, we're recording this on Saturday. This is airing on Monday. So before we get any further, Emily, happy Mother's Day. Oh, thank you. Yep. <laughs> So, all right, uh, Mongo, I guess let's hear your story then from there. So, mine, it's funny that we talk action figures because mine, it, it really was my love of action figures. So, you know, when I started 
collecting G.I. Joe and Ninja Turtles when I was a kid. The reason why I liked them is because of the cool accessories and the way they looked. Well, I remember turning on a SummerSlam, didn't really know what it was. My brother was watching it, and I remember seeing the Road Warriors come out. Okay. And I just saw the spiked shoulder pads, the face paint, the Harleys, like everything about them was toyetic. Like oh, everything most definitely. to me was like, I'm like, that, I'm like, I want those action figures. But I was like, what do you mean? I was like, those are action figures. Those are walking, <laughs> talking, breathing action figures. And I ended up falling in love with them because they also, you know, did the doomsday device, which I feel like every kid did in the pool. At one point, someone put you on the shoulders and someone gave you a doomsday device. Well, Emily's probably not so much, but Johnny, I know you can relate to <laughs> oh, <this. yeah. laughs> So it was like, they were me and that's, and it kind of just fell in love from there. And obviously that was SummerSlam 92. So it just kind of fell in love from there. I started watching raw. It kind of fell off a little bit, came a WCW guy, watched WCW up until kind of was, not good <laughs> um then stuck with wbf and gone through so i've kind of been a lifelong fan he date myself but yeah probably since i was like six years old so like 91 92 i've been watching okay loved it ever since fair enough and i, I want to give a shout out to your most recent episode of cruising with kayfabe with uh uh i the guest name is escaping me i wasn't familiar with him but um uh but you were talking about fandom and he was saying how he he didn't watch he didn't watch wrestling in the Attitude Era, and he started in the Invasion Era where everyone was like, oh, no, you're missing out by You need to have it in the Attitude Era. My whole thing is I grew up on WCW. My my parents created the ultimate sin where they thought there was such thing as too much wrestling. I know, oh, I, no. I don't understand it. but <laughs> <laughs> And so when Nitro became a thing, they I guess they more or less had me pick between the two companies. And I enjoyed WCW more at the time, and being in a Christian family, so it was it was one thing at the time. They're like, okay, we'll stick with Nitro and Saturday Night. So that's what I was always watching. But then the Attitude Era did pick up, and so then it was it was really it was for lack of a better term forbidden for me to watch WWF anyway. And um, so I watched Nitro, I watched WCW until the absolute very end even when it was getting really bad, but that was my wrestling source and I needed my wrestling source. And so I know I, all I gotta say is I lucked out because my mom did work third shift. Um, probably not the best to talk about a mother's day weekend, oh. but <laughs> the reason why I was able to watch a lot of the attitude, I was also, you know, same kind of household grew up with those same kind of views. I wasn't really allowed to watch that because one of the first things she saw was when Sable came out with hand handprints. On oh no. So that was one of the first impressions she ever had at WBF. So, yeah, little Josh wasn't able to watch that as much. So. My whole thing, like, congratulations, Brock Lesnar. Right? Yeah. <laughs> no, my, and I'm so sorry that their daughter looks like him. <laughs> my uh, my pastor wouldn't necessarily come to me over the years, but would go to my parents, and he he's kind of the he's a wrestling fan when he's flipping through channels. You know, he's he's not going to actively watch it. But if he's flipping through channels and it's on, he's going to stop and watching and watch what he's seeing. And it seemed like for the longest time, he always did that at the wrong times. And I remember specifically when they did the whole Kane and Triple H rivalry with Katie Vick. And oh, no. they did the most graphic thing ever with the, the, the corpse there, so to speak. And of course, that was when my pastor was channel surfing. He's, I'm never watching wrestling again. <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm not going to stop. <laughs> I don't agree with what I watch. But uh, yeah, you can't take wrestling away from me. 
Yeah, that's there's a reason why that's probably like the most controversial storyline and one that I I always try to burn out of my memory, but somehow it always comes back. It's like, oh, as soon as you said the Katie Vick, I knew. And for, I don't for, know this one. Don't so. don't no, you don't need to. <laughs> okay. It's okay. I, it's okay. Oh, we, no. we won't talk about it here, and I apologize <laughs> for bringing up a sore subject to you. Oh no, no, no it's not a sore subject. I'm just being funny, but yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> it's just probably one of the cringiest things. Unfortunately, that is the downside of wrestling. Is there were some stories, especially. 98, 99, 2000, that you go back and you're like, how did they get away with that? Yeah, most definitely. <laughs> so I think, I, I want to say, at least my pastor has kind of, I want to say he has selective memory. So nowadays he comes to me and he, anytime I post anything wrestling, if he actually sees it or wants to comment, he brings it back to Rhea Ripley and how much he loves Rhea Ripley. I'm like, all right, <laughs> we could talk about Rhea Ripley because I also like Rhea Ripley, so... <laughs> I love that a pastor is a fan of hers. Yeah. <laughs> of all the wrestlers out there, you would think it'd be like HBK or something. Yeah. Well, I mean, he he does he he doesn't remember names as well, and he struggles with the name Rhea Ripley from time to time too. But uh, I know specifically he's mentioned AJ Styles. That he likes him. That was one name. And my pastor's originally from Georgia, so it makes sense that you know there's another connection there. And plus, AJ Styles is a Christian too. And so, but that was one name he couldn't remember. He's like, oh, there's that Christian wrestler. And I was like, okay, there's there's a few of those. And then he was like, <laughs> able to tell me some little things. I'm like, oh, AJ Styles. He goes, That's it. I like him. <laughs> but That's awesome. Okay, so okay, you said you moved to North Carolina. Where are you guys originally from? New Hampshire. Yes, yeah, so we both grew up in small little towns in New Hampshire. So I definitely, when you say you're in the middle of the state, I definitely get that because we were in the middle of nowhere in New Hampshire. Okay. Um, as most people probably look on a map, New England is not a state. It was one of the states. Right. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, about an hour outside of Boston. So we did get spoiled because we had some great indie wrestling, Limitless, up in uh, Portland area. Beyond. And we had chaotic. Beyond and Involved, Chaotic. So we had some good indie wrestling that I was able to introduce her to. But my career took me down here. I'm in the financial industry. And Raleigh okay. is one of the bigger areas for financial industry. And then we're like, well, North Carolina, you know, it is flair country. It is wrestling. So it's like, it's not a bad place to want to move to because there's tons of wrestling. I mean, we got DPW, which is like on the rise right now. Okay. Did you say it's flair country? That's what they call North Carolina. I call it Hardy Boys. We'll call it Hardy Boys. No, when you say say Raleigh, I think of the Hardys right away. When you say North Carolina, I think of flair. But if you go more specifically and say Raleigh, then yes, I'll think of the Hardys too. So (laughs) we're about like 30 minutes from them. Okay. Okay. My dream is to bump into Rebby Thrift Shop. <laughs> That's my goal. <laughs> now, I will say, like you said, middle of the state, but yeah, I'm in the middle of the country. And we have a little more of a connection than you would realize. And it's not a connection that I would want to necessarily be proud of in Nebraska. But for the fact that it seems like Nebraska is that one state that people really have just never heard of, it seems like, in a lot of ways. So if I'm confirming my address on more than one occasion... I'll have somebody come back and they're like, okay, this is your address oh, no, in Lincoln, New place. England. And <laughs> no, like New England's not a state. I'm in Nebraska. <laughs> uh, I, I, I worked at a call center and you used to have to know all the postal codes and all the different uh, state abbreviations. People would all the time send things to Arkansas or Alaska. Oh, yep. I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> so hearing that doesn't surprise me because I can see people. I mean, I've even had people down here say, oh, what's that? Is that inside Boston? 
no <laughs> it's, it's not inside Boston, but it's okay I, I just come to realize that when people look at a the map they just pretty much see boston and new york at the top of the country florida and texas at the bottom california on the side and everything else is kind of a yeah no they look at the edges and it, it it amuses me because road trips are still a thing i mean flying is a lot more convenient but it just amuses me where i talk to people from all over the country and very seldom do i find people who've actually whatsoever stepped foot in nebraska or driven through nebraska but i mean trust me they've probably flown over it i don't know how many times <laughs> i've driven through it you know i saw the cornfields saw the corn husker signs so <laughs> there's I, not a lot here but <laughs> no i mean I, I definitely want to visit it sometime because you know especially the lincoln area just because i'm always that person like if i go to a state i have to go to like their big city or their, okay. what they're known for so i'm sure there's more but no, I, my goal is to see every 50 states and see it for more than five seconds. So one day I'll probably get back there. Well, and you have a connection here, too. So you're always welcome. Like, I'll, I'll take care of you guys if you come down here. So. Absolutely. <laughs> Same if you ever come to North Carolina. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, North Carolina is a state I will always say I've been to. But right now, I've never been to it outside of Charlotte's airport. But <laughs> it's been a connecting flight for me. But I, that's the extent of me in North Carolina so far. So. <laughs> we do have Wrestlecade. Oh, okay. I mean, you're giving me reason. You're getting more reason, I should say. So last year we didn't go because I. Well, we had just moved, so was... we and we had the cruise. Financially, we would never recover. Oh, like <laughs> yeah, like that Tiger King quote: "Like I'll never financially recover from this." <laughs> yeah. like, we wrote down a list of how many celebrity, like wrestlers, that we hadn't met yet that we wanted to just like. Go say hi to they, Yeah, like just go say hi. And then you feel weird not getting a picture or something, like something from them. Yeah. So I estimated about $20 per person, 40 for some. Um, It was about a grand yeah, that we were going to drop. I I definitely believe it. It amuses me, too, because uh, I worked a show a couple months ago. I worked a show with Beer City Bruiser. And, and he was talking about how he had just recently moved from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, out to Charlotte, North Carolina, and he was talking about the different options he and his wife had, and they were they were looking into like Tampa or Orlando, and somehow they, they settled on Charlotte, and he thought that there was just going to be way more wrestling connections if they went to Florida, but then he started to name name after name after name of all these different wrestlers that live within miles of him, and I said, well, okay, okay, I guess it is a little more of a hotbed than I realized, so... We have Hangman too. Well, there well, you go. In, yeah, and then FTR—they're out in the mountains, about three hours from here. JD Drake. So it—it's definitely we've learned a lot because I mean, New England really from where I'm from, New Hampshire. The only wrestler, really big notice wrestler from New Hampshire is Triple H. Uh, he's, okay, he's from about half an hour from where we used to live, and then obviously Boston and everything's different, but. Is, yeah, it's always crazy to think when you hear wrestling, it's always like they're from Canada, they're from Florida, they're from New York. You, yeah, you don't typically hear a lot of... Unless it's Kenny Omega, states. then you hear every state <laughs> yeah. name. Yeah, we we have Ted DiBiase seniors from Nebraska, and then Sting was actually born in Omaha, but at a very young age moved out to like Venice Beach, California area. So he claims California now, but he was born in Nebraska. So those are about two of the... Kind of if I talk to a modern-day wrestling fan and tell them... Because otherwise, we had Mad Dog Vashon and Baron Von Raschke. And those are about the four names I could tell you from Nebraska. <laughs> so. 
Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Okay, so now that we've kind of established backgrounds, or more specifically your guys' backgrounds, uh, I do want to say I've really appreciated the support I've seen from you guys and through the Cruising with Kayfabe podcast on Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk. And just even if it's something as simple as a like or whatever else, um, I, I've just I've I've noticed it and I've really appreciated it. And it's it's opened my eyes where even before I really got to know you guys, I, I started uh, enjoying occasional episodes of yours. And uh, now. You do have a new subscriber within Johnny Cadillac. Uh, I'm officially subscribed and everything, and all the more reason to bring you on to Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk today, and I'm hoping I can share some love so get you guys even more support because it's, it's a good product you have, um, and it seems like it's it's a compilation. It's not just a podcast. I, I've seen... You have the word kayfabe in the title of your podcast, so I'm seeing all these hilarious posts on social media that just some of the most creative memes I've seen and but I want to kind of hear your guys as we we know your fandom but let's hear the origin story where did kind of cruising with kayfabe and the idea of that come from and let's just hear a story the floor is your guys's uh, yeah thank you so it kind of started really strange so right around the pandemic um one of my good friends was on a podcast uh, with my buddy Tim who also worked in radio and they were doing a podcast together and his co-host, my other friend Roland ended up getting hurt. So they invited me on the podcast as a guest to kind of fill in um, since he had a medical emergency they had to deal with. It kind of just clicked and we started podcasting. Um, we started you know, building a brand through that and we had a live event. And I really fell in love with podcasts again. I would learn to help kind of produce and edit record mixing so I, I started just kind of teaching myself all that through youtube and through other mediums so i think that's where I, my original love of podcasting came from and because he did a rewatch podcast with them i was able to go back through and watch a lot of the older stuff that i hadn't yet watched okay. because we always went back and watched the rumbles and stuff like that sure. but yeah. With his rewatch episodes with the podcast, we were able to really dig into the 90s. And she had to watch a lot of WCW that she hadn't seen before, like uh, Brawl for All, uh, Brawl for All, excuse me, uh, World War Three. Oh, yep. So she really got to kind of see that. And, you know, it was going well, but we decided as a group to end that podcast just, um, for other reasons. And I was you know, kind of bummed because I really enjoyed doing it and I felt like we really had our stride in that podcast. 
Um, in the meantime, Emily had probably gotten courage to work with another cruiser and she decided to launch a podcast and I was kind of producing and helping her, you know, behind the scenes, her and her friend were doing the podcast. Um, and it just, it didn't work out with their schedules and things like that. So she kind of had to end her podcast. And- I was very like broken hearted because I loved having the female perspective out there and yeah. kind of like felt like it was almost really inspiring to just be able to do a podcast with another female and really put our own perspective on things because we were the average wrestling fan. We weren't the normal like female wrestling fan. Like I'm not, you know, into the looks of the guys or the women, like I'm genuinely there for their athleticism and the things that I want to see. It's hard because I want to see more of the flips, more of the, tactical i like that athleticism combined with submission yeah okay so for for my clarification then um emily you you were doing a wrestling podcast yourself then prior as well because you said podcast i was like okay well podcast is a loose term but then you're like well this is my fandom of wrestling i'm like oh so it was wrestling based as well yeah, so it was called Heels and Converse. Okay. And it was me and another Heels member and Cruiser, and we conversed about all wrestling, independence to New Japan. New Japan, every kind of wrestling. We just kind of went over the highlights of the week and shot the shit, and it was really, really fun, and I enjoyed that. And we are looking to branch out our Patreon, so if there is a female wrestling fan out there that wants to, you know, do one, we're just trying to branch our Patreon out. Okay. Yeah, and, and we both had a love for it. I noticed that she really enjoyed it because I was producing it, so they had recorded a bunch of episodes, and I was kind of editing them, getting them ready for release. And I definitely knew that she really enjoyed the research that went into it, and just kind of the fun, the fun of it. So we decided that you know we wanted to start one, but we didn't know what we wanted to start one on. So we joked that, well, I mean, our first episode, please talk about the cruise, and then it kind of just came out of nowhere. Cruising with, cruising with, and then he finally came up with it. And I was like, "Kayfabe, like I don't know, just because I always feel like her running thing was, oh, I miss when wrestlers on Twitter didn't break kayfabe. I I miss when if someone's in a storyline, you know, I hate this person didn't have a picture of the gym, you know, ten minutes later, (laughs) you know. So and now that she's like, you know, poo pooing. Now I love it, (laughs) but it was more to the running. That's why it was kind of like a little running joke was. You know, she always keeps caving. We know, we know, you know, wrestling's a work and that it's, sure. you know, scripted, finished. But it was always like the running joke of like, sometimes we like to pretend that, not pretend that it's real, but uh, I guess get lost back in it again. Like, enjoy it the way you're supposed to enjoy it. Yeah. Well, and I, I just, the the fact is that you guys started with Jericho Cruise 2 was your first cruise you went on. And... And you have a podcast called Cruising with Kayfabe. And when I think of the word Kayfabe, number one, I that screams wrestling right away. Like, where do you hear the word Kayfabe outside of wrestling anyway? And But then, you know, and I, I think the classic example, and it keeps bringing, getting brought back up in my ordinary everyday life. I have a friend who uh, won't have, uh, doesn't have the money and doesn't have the thought process of going on the Jericho cruise, but I never shut up about the Jericho cruise. So he's reached out to me a couple different times, and he's a huge MJF fan. And, and he goes, hey, uh, I just bought this MJF figure. Can, I, can you take it on the next cruise and have him sign it for me? I said, number one, um, they haven't announced any 
talent yet for Five Alive, with the exception of Paul White. Number two, again, we're, let's talk about kayfabe because MJF is the number one person I always think of when it comes to like character on the cruise and the fact that he never ever broke his and uh, that he was he was just a jerk to everybody. And uh, he and I told this kid, I said. MJF signed a total of one autograph on the one Jericho cruise he went on, and it was on the guy's forehead. So uh, <laughs> I, I'm not going to be able to get you an autograph for him. Sorry, but <laughs> we had our friend Bobby Banks on our podcast for the last episode we yep. did, and he talked about MJF and how great his work is. And you know, when I think of wrestling like that, like he is one of the greatest wrestlers right now. He's a mouthpiece. He's athletic. He has the look. It's every little bit to do with wrestling that we've known since the dawn of wrestling. This is MJF. And I couldn't see poor Johnny trying to get that figure signed. And he goes up to the table to get it. And they're just booting it across the lobby. And he has, he has to go do a walk of shame to go get the figure from across the lobby. <laughs> yeah, no. And I, I've told this story a few times on this podcast before, but it's one I love to tell because I've met MJF on that second cruise. And you talk about throwing it. Somebody told me, I, I just, I had no. I didn't really have a desire of meeting him necessarily. I was just like, okay, with the other photo ops that were taking place at that time, I was more interested in like the elite and everything else. And, um, but I had a friend who kind of had a, a bad encounter with MJF the night before. And she was like, I want to, I want to stand in his line just so he has to put up with me. And she hadn't made it over there yet. So I said, all right, Katie, I will go ahead and stand in his line now. So let's see. And I, I started, I entered his line, and somebody stopped me immediately, and they're like, uh, good luck. I'm like, well, yeah, it's MJF. And they're like, no, good luck getting away from meeting him and still holding on to that hat that's on your head. And I said, um, he, what, does he hate Nebraska or something? Because I was wearing a Nebraska hat. And, and then I get to the front of the line, and any fan that's with him who has a hat on, he's doing all these dastardly things. To that person's hat like i saw him take the hat off some guy's head and throw it on the ground and start stomping on it and i said oh no and so i i get to the front of the line and i i before i get to the front i take off my hat and i just have it in my hand on the opposite side of me from where he's standing and he's like what's that and i said oh, i don't let's take the picture he goes oh, no 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 don't don't think i don't see that hat there um you're gonna have to toss that so i like threw it on the ground next to us he goes no, no, you're going to have to toss that. That's not tossing it. So now I like, kicked it a little further. He goes, let me. Picks up my hat and chucks it across the room. And it's a brand new hat, too. Oh, no. <laughs> and so luckily where my hat landed, I happened to have a friend who was standing right there who was within feet of her. So she had to like, move, maneuver some of the chairs. And she just asked the, the six-man worker there. She goes, hey, that's my friend's hat. Can I pick it up for him? And so luckily it, it ended in a place where I was able to get it back because it was a crowded room. But <laughs> so, yeah, no, I uh, there's no way I would go up with any sort of action figure and be like, hey, sign this for me, please. <laughs> no, I, I watched him. I don't know if you remember their father, Gilmero. Uh, Gilmero, I can never say his name. I apologize. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's a huge MJF fan, and he, I remember he, he went in line four or five times, and we were in line for the Elite, okay. and I watched him running through the line. He'd go back, and I'm like, what are you doing, Father? He's like, 
well, I did this pose, now I'm going to do this pose. So he just kept going doing different poses that he could just see Jeff throughout the pictures putting his coat on and getting just getting up and leaving. So it's, it's like a foot book. So it's him doing all this pose and Jeff just slowly putting his coat on to get up to leave. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I when I think of him, because he's notably, like, he he's gone on social media numerous times, shares his love of MJF and how much MJF's a jerk to him. And the fact that he uh, like purchased some sort of eight by ten from MJF that you know, MJF had to sign, and he signed it to him, and he said, "Thank goodness you're a priest, because if you weren't, your sex life would still be the same." <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. Oh man! I was like, "Yep, oh, classic MJF right there." <laughs> and this is why you can't get that biggest side because again, you don't want that secondhand embarrassment on you. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, now, have you uh, have you guys kept your uh, cruising with kayfabe? Has it kind of stayed cruise based in like with uh, with the different guests you've had on? And I know you kind of do like pay per view predictions and reviews and that. But uh, have you have you kept it to like different Jericho cruisers in so far? So far, everyone has either been been on the cruise or wanted to go on the cruise. But we have branched out. There are are a couple other people we're in talks to to bring on the show. That might not be a cruiser, but we typically, you know, start out because the cruise family we feel like is so big. You know, yeah, most you definitely. And Everybody gets a different Karen, experience. And, That's my favorite part. Yes. I love that we've brought on, I believe, between five and ten people now, and not one person. I didn't know about your story with MJF and the hat until right now. Oh, there you and go. And I was in that room. Yeah. Not everybody knows that. Our son at six years old got to meet Darby Allen ringside before Dynamite. Like that's a thing. Like, but not everyone knows these things that happened that were so cool to us and so wonderful and wholesome that happened to each of us. And I mean, maybe dastardly for you. (laughs) It's really exciting to get to kind of share these. How Colt Cabana does wrestling anonymous. It's like Cruisers Anonymous. Yeah, most definitely. And that's why I tell people too is where because I obviously I knew MJF was playing a character. I don't I don't know if he has a real life hatred for people in hats. With that said, I have <laughs> seen dynamite shows where he's still a jerk to audience members with, with hats on. So it's it wasn't something that was just on the cruise with him. And uh, I've seen him uh, the one dynamite I attended outside from Jericho Cruise too uh, was it was in Kansas City and he was in his rivalry with Darby Allen and Darby Allen was in the crowd and uh, MJF eventually met him in the crowd. This was a couple weeks before their pay per view match where uh, you know he uh, if in case you didn't know MJF won the match with a headlock takeover, um, <laughs> but this is like leading up to that match and. And he, you know, they do this this kind of brawl in the crowd or whatever. But all I remember from that segment was right after, I think the cameras went off. Uh, like, went to commercial break. But there was a fan nearby, and MJF took that fan's hat off of his head and chucked it. And uh, just went down the aisle way, so it was easy for that fan to get it back. And I looked at that fan's reaction. He's, MJF just did that to me! Like, he was overjoyed by it. And my whole thing is, like... When I'm old and senile, if there's one wrestling meet and greet I will remember over the years, it's probably that one with MJF because it's just such a memorable story. And even though and it is definitely unconventional, I've met plenty of heels who are nice to me when meeting me and then wouldn't stay in character. But MJF was true to 
what he how he's portrayed so no i agree i mean i've met a lot of heels who it's funny i always like the nicest wrestlers play the biggest heels in wrestling yeah like they could be you know like someone like the miz be the most arrogant but you know he's gonna be a down-to-earth dude um i know i even actors like i met um william zabka from the karate kid in cobra kai one of the nicest people i've ever met i didn't realize that in his autograph line that you had to buy one of his um, merchandise uh, or gimmicks to meet him i i had my own eight by ten that i wanted to sign he's like oh i'm sorry i'm not allowed to sign that can only sell at the table i'm like oh, okay no worries he goes well what do you want so i ended up picking out a pop he signed that and he goes oh no i accidentally signed your eight by ten oh no we're gonna take a picture together now like I just like that he, even though there was like the rule, he was just uh, like, no, you're, you know, you came to see me here. It is. So it, I like those experiences with talent. And we actually people. did get that with Jericho too. Oh, okay. Yeah. No. I'm not saying people should do this, but we did not mean to do oh, this. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and now similarly, and here's one story I have not shared on this podcast yet, but on Jericho Cruise too, um, you know, I had my, my friends, Ryan Johnson and the Steve and Mike Campbell, I roomed with the three of them and we decided to split the cost four ways. And we did the flare photo and my, uh, my friend, the Steve, he, his, uh, his dad found an old, like one of those like promotional flyers posters of a match flare had with, I think it was Harley race in like the eighties, uh, like this event poster that they were doing for a show in Lincoln that, uh, that show. And, he showed it to us right before the cruise. He goes, uh, look what my dad just found in his garage. We're like, oh my goodness, that's incredible. He goes, yeah, I'm definitely bringing this on the cruise. And so he brought that, that event poster in with him when we met Ric Flair. All he was asking is, what year do you think this, this match was? And that's all he wanted to know. And Flair goes, oh, that had to have been in the 80s. And then, Flair, uh, is there a marker? Like He was wanting to sign that poster for my friend, like, he didn't ask him because we knew it was just a photo op. And uh, Flair goes, is there a marker around? And the photographer says, nope, we got to keep the line moving. Let's go. So we didn't get an autograph on the poster, but we weren't trying for it necessarily. But it did. It, And then the picture we took with Flair, they, they, the photographer did snap a picture in the meantime before we did our posed photo. And it looked like Flair was crying just seeing this old event poster that he was in from long ago and it just made for all the more memorable of a memory for us and like a lot of ways we like that that photo of him looking at the poster more than the five of us kind of standing with our four horsemen fingers up together so no it, it, we have a candid picture with flair as well okay. and it's our it's our favorite as well <laughs> so it's funny right before we were going to do um the flair photo off as well on cruise too However, he came to Rhode Island, like, last minute came to Rhode Island Comic-Con, and we're like, well, let's just do it now, and then we'll save that money for the cruise for other things. And we did it, and it was the end of Saturday night. You could tell he wasn't feeling that well. He was tired. He bad because we were one of the last groups to go in. And a bunch of people ahead of us were trying to woo with him. He was just kind of like, start the floor, start the floor, just trying to get through this. You can tell he's tired. We go up there. Cam's probably five at this time because he hadn't turned six yet. Emily's holding him. We get the picture. I was like, hi, hi Mr. Flair. How are you? And he's like, good, good. And, you know, saying hi to Emily. And Emily's just kind of figuring out, how, how can I pose without dropping Cam? And next thing I know, 
I hear Kim go, woo! And Ric Flair looks, smiles, looks at Kim, and does, woo! As loud <laughs> as he can. The only one I heard, and I heard the entire crowd cheer, because I think that's the only one he can is, oh, I got a good one. And then, well, I'll have to show it to you someday. I don't know if we have it offhand, but we have the picture. They caught that cannibal where Cam's going, oh, and Ric Flair's like, <laughs> That's incredible! <laughs> and it was totally, we didn't tell him to do it or anything. He just, he saw Flair, he knew you went, boo! <laughs> yeah, no, and I mean, it's just more of a magical moment there. So even if he was if he was tired of, of wooing at that point or not really wanting to anymore, there's no way he was expecting a five- or six-year-old just on his own was going to do it, especially without being preempted from his parents. And Right, but that was, like, okay, that's the last thing we wanted. You don't want to, like, tick off Ric Flair. You don't want to yeah. get a good picture here. Oh, man, that's uh, I, I wow. <laughs> I'm glad you shared that story for sure because, uh, yeah, I don't know. For me, it's I don't think I really know a lot of people who've met Ric Flair in general around here. And even if they they have, for me, like it, generally speaking, an average like wrestling meet and greet, you don't really have too much of conversation time with them or anything else. Like he could ask you what's your name, and you could tell him what your name is. And I don't know, maybe he could mistaken you for Steve McMichael or something. But uh, uh, but no, generally speaking, like I know when I leave that meet and greet, there's not really anything about it that they would remember necessarily. And I'm not trying to be that one person to have that memorable meet and greet. But then when they make it all the more memorable for you, that's something else in and of its own. So that's what Matt Cardona, honestly, like we've met him a couple times now, maybe three or four, aside from the cruise, um, and. He he makes you feel important. He makes like he knows his fans are why he is where he is. He is one of the biggest for recognizing like, well, they're here because you know they support me. Yeah, and you can actually see. I'll try this. Okay. Yep, I do see that. Okay. His little voice. I mean, yeah, you can see Emily's like shocked. We weren't expecting him to woo, <laughs> so he's woo. Um. But I, I couldn't agree with you guys more. I absolutely love to get those experiences. You know, before Emily and I got together, I did do a lot of meet and greets. Um, I remember at work for one of my big, I think it was my 10 year anniversary at work. They were like, oh, we need to put a fun fact in our newsletter. And I think I wrote in like, I've met 150 some people. So let you know, celebrities, including Stan Lee, and I list them off. And they didn't believe it. They're like, how? Because like, I like going to the conventions. I like doing those photo ops, those meeting greets, like you're talking yeah. about. And you're so right. Like sometimes it's not memorable for the talent, but it's memorable for you, and that's what makes it worth it. Uh, another great one. If anyone's ever on the fence, Tom Felton, uh, who played Draco Malfoy and Harry Potter. Um, he's great. He's one with of the kids, nicest yeah. people. So we actually we didn't need to. We were the first one in his photo line. So they they they, they heat everyone up, and then. They had Emily move and they had me move. And because we had a stroller, they had to put it inside. But we were the first one. So he's on his phone. We walk into the room to get the picture. He's on his phone flipping through it. I don't think anything of it. Like, oh, he's probably just sending texts, doing whatever real quick before this gets going. And he apologizes to us. He's like, sorry about that. I'll be ready in just a second. And then we get over there with our, with our kiddo and Emily. And he starts playing You Got a Friend in Me by Randy Newman. Oh. I'm so sorry. And he, they just start singing, Kim and Kim started singing, and he takes a selfie with Kim. 
that's great now your uh your mic was kind of having issues and I'll, I'll try to fix it in post but who who is uh, i heard from harry potter but who was this that oh sorry tom felton okay Draco Malfoy. Draco Malfoy. okay it went over that time i just want to make sure i uh i don't have a lot of harry potter expertise myself but i know there's probably plenty of listeners who'd be listening to this podcast who would want to know who you were just talking about so <laughs> i want to make sure we knew who was playing you got a friend in me so Yes. <laughs> if you meet one person from Harry Potter, let it be Tom because he is he is Draco without the asshole. He's like so awesome. He is so involved still. Like he goes to so much stuff for Harry Potter. And he's in the flash, which is great. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. No, and so and you mentioned you mentioned Matt Cardona, and we're talking about podcasting here, and so I want to share this story. I kind of mentioned it briefly i had a uh, kemi sokol on a couple weeks ago who who works different conventions around the country different wrestle cons and that um and so i kind of shared it with her a little bit because I, I initially i met her through she she worked for another vendor who i just watch on like facebook live and stuff just sell these different autographs and whatever else and uh uh anyway so matt cardona's wife chelsea green you know, when she was released from WWE, uh, you know, a few years ago, she was like, all right, similar to what her fiance at the time did, now husband, she she was going to make as much of a splash wherever she could, as much as she could from there. And, you know, and kudos to her. She's back in WWE now. And uh, so one, one of the things she did is she started her... I think it was Fifty Shades of Green before they made her change the podcast name to Green with Envy. And my I, favorite podcast, by the way, I miss it so much. Oh, I do she too. So funny. I, I do too. But I was an active supporter, and I, to, like full disclosure, I always kind of liked her in WWE. But there wasn't necessarily anything about her that stood out above like everyone else for me in WWE necessarily. So I always kind of liked her, but then I just I felt bad for her because she just. She couldn't get her break in WWE. She she goes goes up to the main roster, and on her debut breaks her arm, and then when she's rehabbing, she ends up getting released. And so it was just it was terrible timing for her, and all these terrible events. So when she started her podcast, I said, you know what, I'll I'll at least check out the first episode, and I got behind it from day one, and I was an active supporter. So she started off right away. She goes, you know, if you leave me uh, my podcast five stars, I'll go ahead and. I'll mail you an eight by ten. So on episode, it was either two or three. Like one of the first weeks she was doing that, I hear my name on her podcast, and I was like, "All right." And then, and so then I'm messaging her, like, "Hey, I heard my name on the podcast." She goes, "Did you listen to it?" Like, "I need your info. You're getting an eight by 10 And so I, I gave her my info, and sure enough, got an eight by ten from her. And uh, and so, but I was like, "Well, I'm not gonna just show my support because I want an eight by 10 I'm gonna keep supporting where I can." And so I did. I was very active in supporting her. And then she went on to one of those virtual meet and greets. And I, you know, I, I bought an eight by 10 from her there. And they said, okay, here's John. And, uh, I used my, my shoot name, which I'm not going to share on here, even though a lot of people know right. me, but like, and she, she heard my name. She goes, I know him. And then of course I'm screen grabbing this on my phone. So I have the video and I'm like, oh, this is great. Cause you know, as fan after fan, she says, okay, I'll write down what they're saying. And then, and I specifically wanted to make sure she knew it was me, so I mentioned Green with Envy, and she goes, yeah, he is my top supporter. And I was like, oh, this is so great. And and then I met her 
uh, well, a few months later, she did a show in Kearney, Nebraska, and I went out to that because I was like, well, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Chelsea Green now, and the only thing I'm missing is I need to meet her. And so uh, I was, and they, they advertised this show. They said, everyone on the card is going to be there for a meet and greet. And I said, perfect, because I, I still had to work my job, so I was going to have to leave the show early. So I get to the show super early doing the whole meet and greet, and she wasn't there. And I'm like, well, nothing against meeting the gun club or Colt Cabana or anything, but like I came here for one reason, and and I decided to stick stick with the show to intermission. Like I said, I'm gonna leave after this match, and that match I was on came on, and they're like we're going to intermission, and and there's gonna be more superstar meet and greets during intermission. So I'm running up the stairs. I'm like, all right, who's? And I see her right away. So I'm like in the front of her line, and she sees me, and I I, uh, I just went to an impact taping like a week before then, and I bought a Chelsea Green Matt Cardona t-shirt, the two of them together, so she goes, hey, nice shirt, and I said, thank you, I just want to introduce myself, my name is John, and again, gave my shoot name, and she goes, wait a minute, you're him, and like, cause she wasn't expecting to see me that day, and so then she got worlds excited just to meet this average wrestling fan, and like, um, she goes, you know, I feel like we've known each other for so long. This is weird for me. I think this is the first time we're meeting each other. I said, I know she's saying this to me. <laughs> and so she like made it more memorable. And like, cause of course I was, I wasn't just going to like meet her. I was going to support her. So I bought an eight by 10 with her while I was up there. And, and she, I just saw what she was writing to me and what she was writing to other people. I'm like, ah. She made mine more memorable because she knows me. <laughs> and uh, You just made me love her so much more. And she's already like one of my absolute favorite humans. Oh, there you go. Not even just wrestling. Like she's genuinely one of my favorite people. Most definitely. Most definitely. Like right now, if you've been seeing a recent Instagram post, I'm heartbroken just because her cat ran away. Like I'm like, find her oh, cat. And, and so she's been posting like, share this. And I'm like, yeah, no, I'm. I'm nowhere near Florida, but I'm I'm hoping I'm hoping and just a real life thing. But her TikToks too, she's on fire with those lately. Oh yeah, <laughs> and, I, and I, it's funny to say for you is I knew how much of a fan Emily was, and they do uh, the major wrestling figure podcast does live shows, and they did one in Boston. I was so excited to see her. She's yeah. on the poster, so they did a parody movie poster with Kelly in the background with a shopping paradise gimmick, Chelsea Green's front and center. And I somehow got VIP tickets. They usually only do like 50 VIP tickets and they go all jet admission. I don't know. I just had the luck of Midas that day. I was able to get those tickets right away. She was so excited. And then unfortunately she had to cancel last minute due to prior engagements, which I was, you know, not her fault. Yeah. So I remember, I'm like, I'll make this up to you. And then as soon as we got to North Carolina, the very first thing we did, wrestling was like, we had just put our boxes away and I found out about an hour and a half away at a complex store, Matt Cardona. And, and Chelsea, Chelsea motherfucking green. <laughs> <laughs> was there. So I had gotten her, her WWE actually was the regular in the variant to get signed. And she goes to Chelsea, she goes, I need you to sign this Chelsea Muffin Green. I, I'm a huge fan of Green with So it's funny that you said it because she said the same thing. She goes, Yeah, I love hearing that. See, Matt, people like my podcast too. <laughs> and then he was giving her shit for like not recording it anymore. And I was like, No, seriously, like it was so good. Yeah, no, like, oh, I loved it. I was, I was sad just when I stopped stopped seeing new episodes coming. I was like, No, like that was like one of the highlights of my week was listening to Green with Envy, and you know, and I I subscribed to the Major Land or 
Was that oh, the, yes. the one that they did yeah. together about the theme park? The theme park? Yeah. yeah. And uh and you know, and yeah, Matt Cardona gave her a lot of hell on that, but I was like, no, like Green was Couples therapy. That's what that was. <laughs> <laughs> and oh man. Um but yeah, it was uh so I, I still and so where they would get in their little spats or whatever, I'm like, hey, I'm one of those people who support Chelsea Green more. And then now I take it where, you know, she's made it to the big times again. And so I don't know if, like, you know, if my posts even get noticed anymore. But I'm I'm not backing down. So I'm yelling at Adam Pierce every week on Twitter now <laughs> just because of the storyline. I'm like, I'm going to keep going with this because, like, my fandom of Chelsea Green is not dying right now. So. That's great. I'm so excited to know this because, like, for real, one of my favorite people. She's so relatable. I feel like if I had, you know, grown up differently or something, like, I really, truly look up to her as though I could have been exactly in her shoes someday. Like, if I would have, like, been able to watch wrestling as a kid, like, been able to, like, dive into this head first, like, everything is just relatable, I guess. Absolutely. The other day, Jamal was asking us who um, we would want to hang out with for the day if we could hang out with someone. And I was like, Chelsea Green or Soraya? Because I'm going to go to Orlando and hang out with Chelsea and do all these fun Harry Potter style things with Chelsea or go to Disneyland, which I would never actually do. Um, (laughs) Or I would just do makeup with Soraya. And I thought, Jamal, like that was such a great question. Um, And we all love Jamal here. So absolutely. Shout out to Jamal. But it's so true. Like, if you could, like, hang out with somebody, you know, who would it be? Absolutely. Yep. Nope. No arguments for me. Okay, so uh, coming back to, again, why I wanted to bring you guys on here in the first place, and uh, we kind of alluded to it earlier, but one thing that caught my eye, I, I saw, number one, I'm going to give you kudos right away for the promotional work that you did for your Summer of Punk episode recently on Cruising with Kayfabe. I I thought was just incredible with the different sound clips. And then, and I was like, okay, I, I have to listen to this episode. And you said your friend AJ, you met through a Jericho cruise. And right away I was thinking of a different AJ and I was like, I don't think this is him. And I went and looked him up. And I was like, okay, it's one of the many cruisers that I still don't know. But I was like, it doesn't matter. I'm still listening to this whole episode. Cause I've always been a CM Punk fan myself. So where, and I've kind of talked about it on caddy chat wrestling talk before where, when that whole kind of hiccup happened with, with the elite, uh, you know, a number of months ago now, I, I kind of kept things to myself and I still, I still wanted to give CM Punk the benefit of the doubt and everything else. I still wanted to give the elite the benefit of the doubt, but I, I was kind of embarrassed at the same time. So I, my, my big movement or my big retaliation in this is I just didn't wear any CM Punk t-shirts or elite t-shirts and that was my involvement. I was like what I wasn't doing as opposed to what I was doing. Um, but I, I never really wanted to talk trash. And so I right away when I saw the promotional work you guys did for that, that uh, podcast episode, I said, well, that's it. you'll have at least one guaranteed listener to that episode because I have to hear this conversation and everything else. And I just remember thinking, I just hope that these sound clips that they were using to advertise this upcoming episode – I hope that they use them in the the podcast episode itself. And sure enough, right from the get-go, I'm hearing what drew me in. I'm like, yes, let's keep this going. And But then it just so happened that it lined up with... I did a recent 
recent episode where I just, I called it Wrestling Talk, you know, the second half of the name of this podcast. And uh, I had a number of things I wanted to talk about, and I I had uh, my, my friend uh, Sam Davidson reach out to me afterwards, and I, I give her a lot of, a lot of crap because I like CM Punk and she doesn't. And she goes, you know, I, I, you should have said something along. I think I can't remember what she said, or I think it was, I'm surprised you didn't talk about CM Punk at all in that episode. And I said, you know what? I was meaning to, I knew I was forgetting something. So then I made my last episode. I said, all right, I don't care what I talk about, but I need to have a whole segment talking about CM Punk. And so I did. And then it just seemed to line up with your guys's episode of summer of punk and again, another reason why I wanted to bring you guys on here, we seem to have a CM Punk connection, but um, tell me, tell me, I guess, first of all, and we'll see where it goes, but like, where's, where's your guys' thought process on CM Punk, the wrestler, and the possible comeback? Let, let's talk CM Punk here. So, to me, the biggest thing was, when it all first happened, I was on my older podcast, and I was very reactionary to it. Um, so I don't have the same opinion as I did back then. When when that first happened, I was like, I'm done with CM Punk. I, I'm this is mortifying. I almost don't want to watch AEW. Like, what what is going on? Like, okay, I really wanted him to come back, and this is what happens. It just I was kind of jilted. You know, the best way to describe it is kind of like I felt like I got slapped across the face of him. Like, how can you go up there and embarrass the company I love? You know, I don't understand what's going on. But then. It's because the dirt sheets, that was my problem. I was seeking out that information too much. I was looking on Twitter. I was going on social media trying to find out all the different stuff. I was trying to find what I could, and I realized a lot of the dirt sheets weren't really reporting what happened. They were just kind of saying, oh, here's why CM Punk's wrong, or here's what started it, or here's the heat. And it just, it was always kind of fueled to the fire, and I think. It's that if, it, that if it bleeds, it's elite. So I think that was my problem. And now I think my perspective is you, you have to not forgive and forget, but I think we have to move past it. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Emily, you have thoughts? So I kind of think that in the beginning I was super butthurt and I was like, this is just ridiculous. And I, I don't know if I've ever really formed a true opinion on it. I just hope that with the comeback, I want this to either be deleted completely, start yeah. fresh with MJF again, or dive fucking head first, let's go. I I either want this to meet in the ring or forget about it because you can't do halfway. Yeah. You have to go full force one way or the other. You, forget it or go in. You want black and white. You don't want any gray. Exactly. Like I just want them to really make sure that they cross all their T's, dot all their I's, because this is something that has been so mysterious as far as wrestling goes, which is very strange nowadays. No, most we definitely. know so much, but we know so little. Well, and that was... So, I, I again, I tried not to talk about it as much as I could, um, but I couldn't... You, you couldn't ignore what was going on. If you do... If you look up... Any wrestling-related thing on the internet whatsoever, you you couldn't scroll through any wrestling thing without somebody talking about the backstage sprawl and everything that happened after that pay-per-view. And I again, I'm looking, 
I'm just I'm looking at the overall picture, and it, it was really bothering me. And again, this is why I didn't. I'm not to say didn't want to get involved. Like in the grand scheme of things, who is Johnny Cadillac, and what would he be able to say that's going to make any difference on this whole situation whatsoever? Right? We all have our opinions, but my whole thing was, you know, he was he he was a big time name in WWE. Seemed like everybody loved him. And then he he left WWE. He was he was uh he he was just he was fed up. He had enough. He left. And then CM Punk was still trending everywhere. This seemed like a week after after he walked out. Raw was in Omaha, and I was at that show. And I heard heard rumors online, and the group of people I attended that with like told me like, hey, rumors are very high that uh, there's going to be a huge CM Punk chant at the show tonight. And sure enough, there was, and I, I'm like, okay, is WWE going to censor this out? And they really couldn't. And and of course, I'm one of them too. Like I, I knew the extent of what was being talked about, and I was still always a CM Punk guy myself. And I, I don't know, I still wanted to see my favorite wrestler there. And it seemed like more time progressed, and there just seemed to be more and more people outside of the Chicago area. So that was. Where where you guys had AJ on your podcast, I, I like that perspective because I was from more of a Chicago perspective there, and where I'm you know always from Chicago myself, and so like I, it, it was you would hear more and more people just like oh he just couldn't hang with them anymore, and there's just more trash talking on him, and then you know there's that whole stint with backstage and the what if questions and what's going to happen from here and then I guess the dirt sheet still said well WWE is still not too fond of him and then rumors started from the moment AEW became a company there was always sprinkled in here and here and there is this going to be the company CM Punk comes back to is he coming and you know he wasn't he wasn't on board at first and eventually the right things happened and uh and he got there, and they, they sold out that arena on the rumor that he was showing up to AEW, which, yes, was in Chicago. And it seemed like, but he had the fan support right away. And I wasn't worried about myself because I knew where my loyalties were. And he, he just seemed, that he needed that seven years, but he seemed rejuvenated and, like, ready to go. And he wasn't going to disparage anyone. And I loved it. And then he he was in there for, what, like a year, a little over a year? And then all of a sudden he's, I'm old, I'm bent up and like, and you know what he said at that press conference and, uh, you know, a, a lot more of the negativity again. And then the whole thing happened between him and the elite. And once again, it seemed like the, the you know, the reports were going crazy. Well, CM Punk has a lot of heat backstage. A lot of people don't want to work with him. And then again, wrestling fans turned their backs on him. And I'm like, well, I, I, I kind of understand why, but I, I just want to hear more. And I still, I don't know, I feel like there's more of a his side that is just keeping quiet. And so now that the rumors are being rampant again of, of an AEW return, it's interesting because, you know, you still have everyone on every side of the spectrum coming into this idea. And one thing I really appreciate about what you guys touched on on Cruising with Kayfabe is you're like, okay, how long does this last? Does something happen again? And I'm like, I hope not. But like, we got to look at reality. Is we know what's going on now, but who's to say how things are going to look six months from now? No, I think you're right. I think that's why I was so 
the butter when it all first happened because I, like you, I was such a fan. And I remember going to a Boston show in 2015 and we chanted CM Punk. And I remember them in the crowd like, yes, we know you're excited for your favorite towns, but please, you know, make the show about people before the ring. So they weren't on camera, but they were kind of telling us, like, please, please respect people in the ring. Yeah. So they, they almost tried to make, make us look like the bad guys for supporting CM Punk. So I was a CM Punk fan. But I think my problem is I'm such a Kenny Omega mark. I think I let that blind me. Okay. But I, I have to go back and really be honest with myself and look at them and say, they were all guilty. They all acted like kids. They all got wrapped yep. this up. That it's not just one person's fault. You know, I, I try to teach our kid every day that you have to own up to things. You know, he's got to apologize for so of the elite. You know, and at the end of the day, no one they didn't act like EVPs. You didn't act like a professional wrestler. And like Emily said, I hope they can squash it and either face this on and eventually do a story or just behave professionally because it's in the best interest of the fans to I rather see him right off into the sunset on his terms versus this yeah. is the last image we have seen. Yep. Right. Um, I know I mentioned it on our podcast, but one of the biggest issues that I felt with this was that he had very poor timing. Okay. He not only ruined MJF's return, but he ruined AJ's return to wrestling as well. Um, wow. Had just started. She was doing color commentary and, you know, it was a really big break for her to be back in the wrestling scene like that. Even though she's not in the ring, she's helping. She's doing yeah. a lot with these women. And, you know, what do you hear about in wrestling? You heard about CM Punk. You didn't hear about MJS return. You didn't hear about the trios titles. You didn't hear about all these amazing things going on in the wrestling world. SummerSlam had just happened. You had all these returns happen there. Um, I just think it was very selfish of him and it's hard to kind of come back from that because I did have that opinion of just selfish. Okay. No, and I, I think that's completely fair. Um, he it, supports April on everything she does. Talks so highly of April all the time. Yeah. And in this one time, like she really could have used a boost with publicity. He chose himself. Yeah. No, I, I understand that, that frustration and I, I, I don't blame you for having that. I don't blame you at all. I, I do want to ask you though, because uh, you did say, again, no black or no gray area. It's black and white. You either want him to have nothing to do with the elite, if he, assuming he comes back, you either want him. The the whole thing never happened. We're done talking about it, or they make something of it and they have the rivalry that so many people want to see, but you don't want anything in the middle. The big rumor is right now CM Punk's supposed to come back and immediately start with a rivalry with Chris Jericho. Not a part of that that whole spat, but uh, I guess what's your guys' thoughts on, on this idea? I mean, CM Punk and Jericho have worked together before. I think Jericho never really said anything to the Sparage Punk after everything happened. So what's your guys' thoughts? I mean, I think you kind of got to have some sort of feud. I know they also want to run it back with Samoa Joe, from what I've heard, too. Okay. Um, but I think you kind of got to have, because Chris is kind of a locker room leader. He is, a, they look up to. So I think if he's willing to work, I think it's good to show the locker room because, you know, Chris was vocal about he doesn't really want him back. He didn't really want him to be in that locker room. Okay. So I think if Chris Mother, like, look, I can, you know, make amends. I can have this meeting. We can realize there's money to be made. 
that we it's an advantage job. I think if he's willing to do it, I think it'll have that ripple effect, like people like Wardlow who maybe were on the fence or Jungle Boy to work with him because I think he should work with some of the understars and help get them to where they need to be. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Emily, yeah. Prove people wrong. Yeah. People wanted to say he didn't want to work with the younger talent. Prove them wrong. Maybe he does need to do the trios run with FTR like Mongo's been predicting because then it would allow him to have the time to kind of rest in between matches. Maybe he went too hard yeah. doing a singles run. And who knows if that's part of his, you know, disparage with everything is. I kind of like to think that everybody has some good in them. And I like to think everything happens for a reason. Um, a lot of different things go into this, but I really feel as though CM Punk and FTR could come through together as well. But this Jericho thing is intriguing. Um, when you think about when it did first happen, Jericho did kind of say like, you know, the locker room's this, the locker room's that. Moxley and him really went off about how like they stepped up. They yeah. took care of that locker room. They did. It's kind of like with WWE, how, you know, John Cena came up and really became something and had to hold down the fort while other people were out on injury. I think that Jericho and Moxley stepped up and really did their part. Yeah. I guess I'm also just more intrigued because Jericho's in like this huge blood feud with Adam Cole right now. And, you know, the the rumored return of CM Punk is like right about a month from now. And so I'm like, okay, how do we stem from one to the next? And I'm intrigued more than anything because I, I know they'll find a way to pull it off. But I'm like, how do we get there? Like, consider me interested for sure. And then where you did mention the idea of CM Punk and FTR working together, I think that makes a lot of sense. You know, FTR have been still advocates of CM Punk, still shown their support for him through all of this. And at the same time, especially if we are going to see CM Punk work with the Elite somewhere down the road, more specifically Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, there's three of them and there's one CM Punk. So you bring in FTR and then we have even battle or even battle lines and makes all the more sense. And I think it can help too, just like from a mediation standpoint, like if, you know when they're talking about what they want to do in their program, you know it can help because you know Kenny does have communication with Punk. You know, the rumors are the Bucks don't really want to. So you can have Kenny and FTR kind of speaking. That way people aren't, like, throwing little jabs and throwing sheets to not kind of set off those tensions. And yeah. I, I said from day one when this happened, if Edge can work with Matt Hardy, I feel like anyone can work together in wrestling. Amen. I Yeah, I, <laughs> I completely agree with that statement there. And, uh, you know, and the fact is, nowadays, <laughs> Edge and Matt Hardy are once again, like, they're the best of friends. So I'm like... It, it, it's crazy how everything came full circle because, man, and I, I imagine that, and I, I try to see the better in people too, but considering everything that happened with Lita and looking back, I'm like, how did they pull that off? I'm glad they did. but And then at the time when Matt Hardy came back, I, it, as a viewer, I wanted to see it all the more, even though it was a lot of real-life heat too. So, Talk about Vince really... Uh putting a whole blockage on your relationship though. Can you imagine how awkward that is in a fresh relationship? Yeah. To do the things that Edge and Lita had to do. Yeah. And it was almost like a punishment, you know? No, they 
It's funny. Oh, yeah, no. I'm just saying, like, from a female perspective, like, that must have been so hard, even, I guess, as a guy. Yeah. It's a fresh relationship. It's, like, 10 things um, I hate about you all over again. Well, and, and uh, for the record, I think when I was talking earlier about my pastor, I think one of the times he did turn on Raw was during a live sex celebration. Oh, no. So, like, he just had all the worst timing. <laughs> he really did. He really did. <laughs> so, all right, well, I'm going to wrap things up from there, but... um. I know you guys on Cruising with Kayfabe, it's important to share your socials and where people can find you. So by all means, use Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk Podcast to promote yourselves. Where can people find you? How can people support you? Absolutely. Thank you again. Um, yeah, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cruising with Kayfabe. Um, also on TikTok at It's Mongo at Cruising with Kayfabe underscore Emily. Um, like you said, I try to just make people laugh because I'll see a funny meme and I'm like, oh, I got to share this because... I enjoy the community and I enjoy making people laugh, especially if it's a like a macho man joke or so. I just I just enjoy the old wrestling pictures and the memes. So I try I try not to be vulgar. There's some memes I definitely won't share, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then if anybody has like old matches stuff like that, I love when you guys send them our way. Okay, absolutely. I'll keep that in mind from a me perspective too. So, uh, <laughs> well, we uh we kicked the forbidden door down and we had such a good time doing it. So I want to. Let you know, and I, it seems like I say this to a lot of my guests, but that just goes to show how meaningful some of these interviews are. So I want to let you know, first and foremost, that you guys are welcome back on Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk anytime as well, because we had a lot of fun today, and I know we can have plenty more fun conversations where we can have an audience to hear it too. So, absolutely, and you're more than welcome on Cruising Cafe too. We'll keep that forbidden door wide open. We won't sounds, shut it. <laughs> sounds good. I would, I would absolutely love to come on Cruising with Cafe. I'll let you know that right now. So. Absolutely. So, and I'll start it with Des. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Des if you're listening. Well, this was uh, another great episode of Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk podcast this week was guested by Mongo and Emily of Cruising with Kayfabe. I'm your host, Johnny Cadillac. And until next time, we will see you then. Have a good day, everyone.